0: Well, Merry Christmas again. I'm Dan Bulge, pastor of Cascade Covenant, and I'm here live on this Sunday morning, even though we've been doing kind of a reprise of uh, various worship music over the last month. We're excited that you've joined us. And for those of you that aren't living right here in the Snoqualmie Valley, let me describe to you the scene this morning. Uh, it was very wet yesterday overnight. It turned cold and it snowed, and so every single one of our trees and bushes and even blades of grass looked like they've been sprayed with that, like, Fake, but oh so very real snow that makes it look like a winter wonderland outside. We're so very thankful for that. Uh, blesses my heart. And uh, you know, it does feel like we were kind of just here, you know, like because we were. But this morning this is Danny Kolke and I, and I get the pleasure of watching him run back and forth between two computers in the sound booth behind me, which explains a few of the delays as he's going back. I hope you wore like your Apple Watch or something to count the steps. That you're getting in this morning because there's a lot of them. But I wanted to uh, sh- just begin this morning's sermon uh, by pointing all that out and also just to simply share where we are in terms of um, a church body or the church global. You know, Advent is over, Christmas is here, and so Advent was this season of looking forward. anticipating the birth of christ it's something that we do with christians around the globe it's something that we do with christians through the century and um, i like that during this advent as a church we were all engaged in different advent activities together it's very symbolic because we make individual decisions to follow christ you know you have to decide to have a relationship with god but It's never just all about you and Jesus. Over and over again, I hear Christians say things like this. They say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. Fair enough. The church is a group of dysfunctional and sinful people all on a journey with Christ just like you. And so um, it's so very, very important, you know, all all throughout history, God has been working with groups of people. And um, however disappointing that might be to you and me, God's vision for humanity is that we're restored in a relationship with Him, but that we're also restored in relationship with others. There's a big learning curve there. And that we're also restored in our relationship with the earth, with creation. All throughout history, God has been working towards this sort of redemption. And uh, it's not a a menu that you can just order off a la carte, you know, I'll just take that relationship with God and I'll leave the rest out or whatever. No, this is a package deal. This is redemption, how God is working in and among us and through us and in our world. And so we try to capture this even in our own church's mission statement right here at Cascade that God wants to draw us into a relationship with himself, with others, and form us, shape us into a people that's generous, joyful, and just. That's our prayer that he does just that. Well, Advent is over. As I said, Christmas is finally here. And I know some of you are feeling a bit sad that Christmas is over, but I want to lead you with this encouragement this morning. Christmas, it's not over. No, this is just beginning a season called Christmas tide And so today, is the second day of christmas and um you know today is the day that if you know the 12 days of christmas song is it's what do you give your true love it's right two turtle doves i don't even know what a turtle dove is it sounds like what is it danny yeah he doesn't know either it's it's a dove it's a pigeon i don't it's english i guess today is the second day of christmas and this is very biblical. Uh, you'll find out why the two turtle dove thing is, is biblical in a minute. But the twelve days of Christmas, also known as Christmas tide, starts with Christmas. It ends on Epiphany, and Epiphany is the day that we celebrate the wise men uh, coming to Jesus. And if all of this seems too perfect for you, it it is. Okay, we actually don't know when Jesus was born. We don't know when the wise men came to visit him. In, uh, but like in the year 500 something, the church, uh, which by that time it was uh, the, the whole Roman Empire was Christian, they decided, you know, we need to make this an official holiday, and so that's where the 12 days of Christmas. They're like, ah, December 25th, uh, January 5th, and that's that's where we are today. But here's why I like Christmas tide. It helps us treat Christmas, um, you know. The way things are now, Christmas feels kind of like a speed bump on the way to New Year's. We see Christmas now like a finish line rather than a starting line. No, Christmas tide is a beautiful way to think about it because think about how ocean tides work. You know, they rise and they recede. And so we get to linger in this Christmas feeling, this Christmas glow, this Christmas season. And that's where we are right now it's the celebration, it's the joy, it's the goodness of Jesus being born. Well, I want to share with you a passage that kind of fits into this Christmas tide or this kind of season. It comes out of Luke. And after Jesus was born, his parents stayed in Bethlehem where he was born. They stayed for a while. So there would have been eight days between his birth and circumcision, and also that's when they named him. And then there probably would have been like a month that was required by religious customs at the time before they traveled up to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. And this is something that, that, that devout Jewish families did with, with all of their firstborn sons. They traveled to the temple, they made a sacrifice, and they presented him to the Lord. And so upon entering the temple, Mary had to offer a sacrifice of her own. It was two turtle doves. And so I don't know, I'm assuming that's the reason that it's mentioned in the, the 12 Days of Christmas song, but I don't know for sure. But more importantly, while they were there, they met someone. Or maybe a better way to say it is that someone met Jesus there. And so this is what I read to you from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles in the glory of your people Israel. So here is where Simeon meets Jesus. And last month, our very own Del Clark kind of kicked off our Advent season with a a creative storytelling from Simeon's point of view. You may remember that. And it's only fitting that we kind of bookend this season with this passage where it's recorded in Luke. So we picture Simeon as a very wise old man. And he was waiting for the restoration of Israel that the coming Messiah would bring. You know, Rembrandt has this beautiful picture, uh, painting of Simeon, which I always think of or envision in my mind. We can't show it online, uh, unfortunately, but you can look it up later. Beautiful, beautiful painting of Simeon. And we see how he's described here in this passage. He was righteous <clears throat> and he was devout. Would you like, then you think about that, Simeon was righteous and devout. I mean, would you like to be described as righteous and devout? I mean, is that a compliment to your hearing? I guess, you know, that's probably better than being described as the complete opposite than you know, the opposite of righteous and devout. But we, uh, in, in modern times here, we have a very incomplete understanding of righteousness. I'm not so sure that that sounds like a compliment to most people. I'm making that assumption, maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I think that that's true. We have this very incomplete understanding of righteousness. And maybe, maybe a better way to say it is that it's one-sided. We see righteousness only in terms of this um, kind of layer of morality that's how we kind of understand righteousness. And it's a morality that's very internalized. But in the original language of the Bible, the word we translate as righteousness is interchangeable. So when you see this word in Greek, you can translate it in one of two ways. You pick. It's either righteousness or justice. Think about that. Righteousness or justice. You know, you could say Simeon was a just and devout man. It kind of puts a little different spin on the picture that we see of him. Simeon was just, and it wasn't the world's version or idea of justice. That can be very different from biblical justice. No, this was a justice that was shaped by God. So whenever we talk about in church, you know, this idea of justice we're coming at it from a very different perspective than you may have heard at your company's training that probably went on for all of last year. This is biblical justice. And whenever we talk about it, it's important that we are able to think biblically about this term. You know, righteousness is about how you and I, as a person, treat other people. It's about our actions, definitely, but it's also about our heart, it's about our intent. It's both of those things. That your actions are connected to a part of your character that you've intentionally allowed God to form and shape. And it's not just this perfect score on the morality test. No, it's, it's so much more than that. It's about how you treat others in a God-honoring and person-honoring way. And especially when no one else is looking. It's how you treat others and a God-honoring and and this, this dignity that every single person should receive because they're a child of God, just like me. That's what righteousness is about. And if I could turn a dozen righteous people loose or if God could turn a dozen righteous people loose, they would profoundly impact their school, their workplace, their home, their neighborhood, their community because of who they are and how they treat others. We all want to be righteous. It's a compliment. We all want to become people who've been shaped by God in such a way that it shows up in the way that we treat others. So how do we do that? How do we become righteous people? Well, obviously it's with perfect attendance every single Sunday, right? No, I'm, 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 I'm only joking there. I mean, yes, that helps. That's important. That has a value. But you're not going to just roll out of bed some morning and go, ta-da, I'm a righteous person. Well, there's a process involved, one that God wants to take you and I on. And so how do we become righteous? We do it just like Simeon did. It says that he's devoted himself to the lord devoted himself and maybe that's not i just rolled out of bed and ah, i'm devoted but maybe it is i rolled out of bed and i made this choice that i'm gonna follow through on today it's uh the the word devout means god fearing means that you've given him your allegiance means that you've you know we could use lots of metaphor that you've put him on the throne of your life that you've made him the leader you try to live that way, that's what being devout is. Simeon spent time in God's presence. It says that he was often in the temple courts. It's like he's made that definitely a priority. He wants to worship, he wants to pray, he wants to be with God's people. The way that we become righteous like Simeon is that he's living in the Spirit. It says the Spirit spoke to him Hold him. That's someone who has a very intimate relationship with God and has spent hours and and time over the course of his life um, growing in that relationship. He listens to God. He does what he says. And then finally, Simeon has met Jesus, albeit tiny baby Jesus, but he's met Jesus nonetheless. And another way that we like to describe that in church is that simeon has encountered christ and so according to this account the holy spirit had made it apparent that simeon's life was incomplete you know he had done all these things before him but he hadn't met jesus now his life was incomplete until he encountered jesus this is profound and this still applies to people today. You know, encountering Christ, it does something to you. It does something in you. In fact, this moment that we see here depicted for Simeon, it's, it's kind of a make or break moment for all people. Later, Simeon says, This child was destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too he was speaking these words to mary that's whose soul he was saying well, your your soul will be pierced too but that phrase the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed this couldn't be more true i mean this is the question of who is this child and what do you believe what do i believe about jesus Jesus was, Jesus still is, a very polarizing figure. I mean, every person has to decide who is Jesus. Was he really just a smart teacher? Or is he God in the flesh come to dwell among us? It's an important question, the answer to which only you can decide. Only you can decide that. It's not your parents that decide that. It's not your spouse that decides that. It's not your friends. It's not some media or some book that you read no you have to decide who is jesus and um it's not a question just of what do you think it's not this intellectual pursuit although it could start there because knowing stuff about jesus isn't the same as knowing jesus himself no i'd argue that we're all like simeon that our lives are not fully completed until we do so. Because we can know Jesus personally, even though we're 2,000 years removed, we can know Jesus personally because he's the resurrected Lord. And he still reveals himself to us. You know, uh, there's been a couple points in my own journey with God that have been a little bit like this moment here with Simeon. And it's that moment where God brings into tremendous clarity that he's actively revealing himself to you. And uh, he's, in in my case, he was beckoning me to follow. Another word that I would use is surrender. He was inviting me to surrender. And one of those moments happened to me late in high school. Um, I actually was trying to remember, was it, was I, had I graduated high school, had I started college, I decided that I think it was between my my senior year in high school and freshman year in college anyway uh, i distinctly remember the moment where i felt like god asked me or invited me to change the course of my career aspirations so i was headed into school wasn't 100 percent, you know certain on uh, what i was going to do but i was definitely headed towards the sciences in some way shape or form and i remember this moment where I felt like God redirected me. And um, it was a very moving moment. Lots of tears were shed by me because for me, it felt like I was giving up this comfortable path that I would kind of had planned for and, in, and was trading that out for something very uncertain in my life. But I knew that God was calling me there. In fact, it was something that I almost couldn't resist. I mean, I, I could resist it but that wouldn't have been good. And so with tears in my eyes, this very moving moment, I remember this, this, this point where I surrendered. and It felt like I encountered Christ asking me to follow him and to trust. And so when you start talking to Christians, it doesn't take very long for people to start, uh, well, I maybe I shouldn't say take so long. You know, Sometimes it does, because these are very vulnerable and transparent times in our life. But you start to hear stories And there's similarities, but they're very different, about how people encountered the risen Jesus, like they have revealed, he has revealed himself to them. It's not just this intellectual thing. It's a heart thing. And so Simeon's moment was different from my moment uh, in that it happened at the very end of his life after much waiting and probably a lot of disappointment and wondering if the Lord really cared. But having that kind of patience and trust makes this moment with simeon or any moment that we finally encounter jesus so 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 um, special to us and so what does simeon do at this moment simeon is moved to sing to praise the lord he took jesus in his arms praising god and and i'll share with you a, a a different translation of of this um what he said he said lord you've now set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior whom you've prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations in the glory of your people Israel. That's a translation from Phyllis Tickle in, in the book uh, Divine Hours. And I actually pray that version of Simeon's song almost every night. It's, it's part of a uh, uh, a set of prayers that I do. It's kind of a spiritual discipline called Compline. And uh, it's a, a beautiful way to end my day. And it's beautiful because it has really two focuses. First is that part where it says, Lord, you've now set your servant free. You know, for Simeon, he was literally talking about, you know, my life is complete. You know, for me and for other Christians who pray this prayer, We're simply saying that we've been released. Job well done today. We can go in peace. We can rest in peace because our eyes have seen God's salvation. And for Simeon, he held this little child full of promise, the glory of God's people Israel, as he says here. But the part that we often don't think about is that no one would see that glory for another 30 years. You know, Simeon's just holding this little baby. I've seen the glory of your people, Israel. But the truth is, the moment between that and when we would really see Jesus' glory as he lived and taught and died and rose again, I mean, that would be 30 years later. And so you can see the huge parallel with us today. You know, we're talking about Advent, the season of waiting. Uh, We also see Advent in terms of there was the first Advent when Jesus was born, and then there was the second Advent that hasn't happened yet. We're somewhere stuck in this middle time. But the kingdom of God is very near. Um, As Simeon kind of sang to Jesus or proclaimed this to his parents, the passage continues. And I was tempted this week. I'm like, man, where do I kind of wrap up this message? And I was going to end it there, but all week long I've been thinking about this other piece and decided this morning, you know, this is really important because another prophet was present. It wasn't just Simeon who met Jesus and his parents in the temple courts that day. There was another prophet too named Anna. And this woman, I mean, think about how many of you are named Anna you know, give, it a, give us a shout out at home. So many people throughout thousands of years have been named after this woman. And so Luke describes her. He says there, there was a prophet, Anna too, all, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. He says she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 so somewhere in her early 20s until she's 84, she never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying, coming upon them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And so I wrestled with this because what's she doing there? Why does Luke also include her i mean obviously there's many reasons it's kind of a picture of the fullness the spectrum of god's people and and that it was simeon and this this older man simeon and this older woman anna who'd waited their whole life for this moment but it's also significant i believe because anna is a prophet and a woman 2,000 years later, there's some followers of this child Jesus who would, by their practices today, say that what she did was somehow inappropriate. I know you're probably thinking, what do you mean inappropriate? Well, Anna's a prophet. What do prophets do? They speak the word of the Lord. They proclaim the word of God. In today's language, we would call that preaching. And so here's Simeon. Here's Anna speaking beautiful words of the Lord and his kingdom being near to all who would listen, to all who would hear. And even in a very patriarchal society that Luke was writing to 2,000 years ago, a prophet who happens to be female shows up to speak of jesus and for me that's confirmation that god has always gifted and empowered people men women to proclaim the good news of jesus and to speak of his coming kingdom he did it then he does so today and so here we have this beautiful picture of anna and simeon speaking about a child in the kingdom of god which was breaking in and so for me when i think about the kingdom of god breaking in you know i've seen so many of god's promises fulfilled in my life but they're not all fulfilled we still wait we still hope we celebrate the coming the birth of jesus but we look forward to his return And through Christ, we can be reconnected to God. We can be reconnected to others. We can see heaven breaking into our lives here on earth. We can hear God. We can do what he says. We can experience eternal life, but also a new life right here and right now. And this is the work that Simeon and Anna spoke of, the Messiah's reign. It's not complete, but it has begun. And so as a people, as God's people, we continue to be patient. We continue to have hope. We know that God is graceful because God is near. And so during this Christmas tide, sit back, relax, and be filled with wonder at all that God has done, is doing, and will do through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we are so grateful for a a Sunday morning to set aside to come and worship you. And even though we're not able to gather in person this morning together, we're gathered throughout uh, this valley, throughout our homes, wherever we may be, and we come to worship you. We are grateful, Lord, for saints like Simeon, saints like Anna and the way that they show us uh, it's a life well-lived a life of righteousness of devotedness Lord to you and how you still have a plan how you still have a purpose how you still use us all the days of our lives we are grateful for that Lord and we are grateful for Jesus we pray this in his powerful name amen well, uh, this is the conclusion of our service today. I want to share with you the benediction. Before I do that, two quick announcements. The first is I, I forgot to share earlier that um, as a church, we're equipped to handle gifts of stock. So if that's a way that you'd like to make a donation to us, you can email our front office and, and ask how you might do that. It's pretty straightforward. And the second thing is, because of all the snow, we're having church in person next week. Um, it's, uh, that's January 2nd. It's supposed to stay cold and snow throughout the week. And so one of the ways that we're, we're kind of aiming for next weekend or the end of next week to do a big you know, clearing of the parking lot and sidewalks, if you could help us clear sidewalks, um, that would be hugely appreciated. You can contact our front office, contact Lisa, and she'll kind of organize our, our work parties to make that happen. Uh, it would be hugely helpful to us. Let me share this benediction. We're going to pray together. Uh, the, the Compline Prayer, the Nuke Dimitus is what it's called. I probably slaughtered that Latin name, but that's what it's called. It's the prayer of Simeon. We'll put it up on the screen for you. And let's pray this together. Lord, you've now set your servant free to go in peace as you have promised. For these eyes of mine have seen the Savior, whom you have prepared for all the world to see, a light to enlighten the nations and the glory of your people, Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. God bless you. See you next week.